very warm welcome to all our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you will enjoy this podcast. Hi Pratik, it's a pleasure to have you. Hey Ashish, thanks for having me with with you over. Um very excited. Wonderful. So let's get started. Uh so Pratik, tell us please tell us a little bit about yourself first, then we'll jump into, you know, uh uh what all uh, fire is doing. Yeah, thanks. So about me, well, I I'm a, I like to call myself a social entrepreneur and an uh, and an impact investor. Um so I started building companies or I started you know uh, in this space when I was 16 so about like 15 years back uh, to to prove the thesis I started my journey actually to prove the thesis that uh, of the fifth industrial revolution which is a concept that I've been promoting for the last 15 years to prove the thesis that you can actually make money if you do more good to the world so the more good you do the more money you make and that point in time you know people were talking about the fourth industrial revolution well they still are um, and 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 it was all about profits and and you know social impact was considered synonymous to charity so people were like if you don't come from a wealthy family how can you even talk about social impact so i wanted to kind of change that entire mindset and and move it to a for benefit kind of mindset where how can you talk about profits and purpose together so that's what started my entrepreneurial journey so i've built eight companies this is my ninth that i'm building fire so it's like nine companies in the last 15 years and all of them have been on the again the theme of the fifth industrial revolution that you can make money if you do more good to the world and they've been around the united nations sustainable development goals so people who don't know what the sdgs are they're pretty much you know a simple language a social language that has been given by the united nations which which also you know the honorable prime minister modi uh, keeps speaking about that we have to achieve by 2030 which are pretty much 17 global goals by the united nations which which are pretty much around you know climate and renewables and solar health education gender equality uh, renewables so on and so forth so how do you kind of achieve that so you know my entire entrepreneurial journey has revolved around expediting progress towards achieving social goals and at the same time making making profits so you know making making sure that you work at the intersection of purpose and profits and and the you know like i've basically ended up i've been fortunate to kind of represent india and and also my companies at world economic forum davos cold world forum oxford the nobel peace prize forum oslo united nations general assembly um and and speaking about this concept of a fifth industrial revolution and you know even the company that i'm currently founded that's also the goal is to actually impact a billion plus people positively so if you were to talk me as an entrepreneur my goals or as an investor so i only invest in impact companies and through my portfolio of investments and also my own companies my end goal is to actually impact a billion plus people positively and that's what keeps me up day and night so yeah that's pretty much about me Mm-hmm. and uh, so you mentioned in terms of uh, this is your ninth company uh, which you started so what goes you know behind the scenes in terms of how do you so many people get many requests from our listeners or people want to understand how do they go about first starting any business so it will be nice to hear from your perspective how sort of uh, what has been your strategy in terms of starting a new venture what goes uh, you know what are your strategy what are your thoughts basically in terms of when you're looking to start a new venture so uh, yeah, you can share some uh, stories or yeah go ahead yeah so very very good question so you know uh, the way i look at entrepreneurship is about solving complex problems and making it simple and then 
you know i'm basically providing simple solutions to complex problems that's that's what entrepreneurship is all about it and the beautiful thing about it is like what i have done and what i would encourage everybody to do is everybody has a passion okay like everybody would have a passion somebody would want to be a painter somebody would want to be a lawyer somebody would want to you know be a doctor somebody would want to actually be in the space of social impact so anybody like everybody has a passion somebody would want to solve the problem of say you know mobility or anything so i what i have done or every time is i identify a problem around my passion and then basically end up building a sustainable business model around it so that's what has mm-hmm. basically sparked most of my ventures like my first venture was in the edutech space and it was at a time when i was 16 and you know most of the people around me the biggest problem a i obviously wanted to build something for um high school kids on how do you basically go about choosing your career path because i i saw that being a big problem when i was in grade 10 like you know grade 11 grade 12 like people did not know what they want to do and they were very confused and it was basically they were trying to do what the parents asked them to do they were trying to do what their friends were telling them and that's not how you take uh, up a career so and then you know, as i told like as i told people were like you know so social cause or social um, uh, causes are all about charity i wanted to kind of uh shrug that notion away so that's what you know sparked my first company which was in the edu tech consulting space and so on and so i'm most of the company like the last company uh that i built was an impact consultancy for specific fortune 500 clients who basically wanted to kind of uh, move from a for profit model to a for benefit model meaning how can you basically create social impact but at the same time make more money so you know how can you basically say spend marketing money but at the same time create social impact so i basically what I, you know i have done is identify problems which are close to my heart uh, and then you know build a sustainable business model around it that's what been but that's what been for me and when you say how do the listeners go about building so of course you identify your passion first then you see and and build a model around it because that what basically will make sure that you're building something around your passion also means that you're not you, you will love doing that it's not like you're doing a 9 to 5 you're just asked to do it i think that's very important being passionate about it otherwise you can't succeed in entrepreneurship because no any like no you can't just be in it just for you know the money or anything because that wouldn't stay for long like you you Absolutely. can't be in that space for a long time so and that's one and the second it's become easy than ever to start up which basically means you just need no money like even if you have no money you can still start up because you just need a facebook page or an instagram page and that's what can get you going and later on everything can just fall into place when you when you when you are building the venture so i think it's it's become easier than ever with social media to actually start up and uh, yeah so that's that's what my advice would be to anybody who's who's looking at starting up but definitely try it out because you know you, you need to you need I, i mean i basically say if you want to do something in life and you're not doing it just because your parents are saying it or friends or girlfriend boyfriend or husband or wife or whatever you're basically committing a mental suicide or your dream suicide so if you're killing your dreams so why would you do that right so yeah absolutely and i think that's a great point which you mentioned uh, because you have to do something which you're passionate about because ultimately all the other metrics it be in terms of money i mean they sort of uh, uh, fade away uh, in very short in very short time so i mean the goal the ambition has to be much bigger and beyond in terms of not just short term goals um so moving on pratik um, Uh, now let's talk about fire so uh, walk us through you know how you sort of started uh, what was the idea initially and uh, what all things are you doing at fire 
yeah so uh i so basically as i said my 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 um all my ventures have been in the have been in the fifth industrial revolution space and what i've been what i was able to do until you know the end of last year or the middle of last year was that i was able to kind of impact tens of millions of people generate tens of millions of dollars in rev and while i was doing that i was at an inflection point where i was like how do how do i scale this to a billion people because that's my overarching goal to kind of impact a billion people positively and how do you do that and that's when you know me and two of my co-founders we actually met at a chai shop um, in in delhi and we were you know figuring out how do you scale this to a billion people that's the passion that's where the passion is and then we kind of thought and obviously i've been a big big proponent of blockchain as a technology because of the lot of the advantages that it comes with and then ever since i started following blockchain right i i was like how it's not sustainable and the reason governments haven't used them so many governments haven't used them so many fortune 500s haven't used them the adoption rate is less apart despite it being such a beautiful tech i was like it's not sustainable so how do you basically go about how why don't we build the world's first sustainable blockchain ecosystem and india's only layer 1 blockchain where we can actually transition the whole world from a for profit economy to a for benefit benefit economy and ultimately impact 1 billion plus people positively so that's what sparked the idea what we basically did was we basically um uh, so any blockchain when you look at the technology it's governed by something called a consensus mechanism that's how any blockchain works that's how the validators validate the nodes so mm-hmm. you know how, we we were thinking on how about we embed the 17 united nations sustainable development goals into the consensus itself how about we scrape data from 650 plus esg sources which are environmental social governance indicators um you know how do we scrape all of that data into the consensus which basically means that think of us like a linux think of us like a, an infrastructure where any de, you know decentralized app that is being built on top of us as we are a layer one chain any any business can build on top of us if anybody builds on top of us they can actually become sustainable because you know our consensus mechanism is such that you will financially being rewarded for following sustainable practices now i'll just give you a small example so imagine like uh, ashish and prateek are two um people running two different businesses and say i you are basically you know um uh, using more uh, coal and i'm using more geothermal energy so the score that we come up with in the consensus basically uh, uh, would would award me a better score and award you at a lower score and say you have 50% women into your workforce which aligns with the sdg 5 goal which is gender equality and i have 30% you get a better score so we have basically integrated all the social indicators into the consensus which basically means if we are running two different businesses as i said and i have a better score i am getting financially rewarded for following sustainable practices which aligns with the fifth industrial revolution goal which is to make money only if you do more good to the world and in the end it actually helps transition the whole world from a for profit economy in the current age of fourth industrial so, revolution mm-hmm. to a fifth industrial revolution which will follow a for benefit economy so that's that's what we have created so when you talk about fire right it's it's an ecosystem as i said it's the world's only and the first sustainable blockchain ecosystem which has five components to it the first is of course a layer 1 blockchain that we've built on rust um which has a unique consensus as i spoke about which rewards and financially rewards in and incentivizes businesses for following sustainable practices so that's the first component so uh, if you can second, so if you can 
So if you can just stay there for a second for let's let's talk about this uh, this particular example and the layer one thing um I, i'm going to now ask many stupid questions right uh, to simplify uh, uh, to simplify you know uh, if i'm able to understand so the first is so you mentioned um uh, the the example you gave right in terms of pratik and ashish running two different enterprises so the first question that comes to mind is why do you need a blockchain to give out a score that's the first thing i mean what is the requirement in terms of uh, having a blockchain into the system if we want to monitor for example b8 if you if you are looking to generate a green index score or any sort of other scores for a particular corporate so Uh, what is the reason for that okay so first i'll you know very very good question by the way so let's just go into the technology okay what the technology is all about so now think of it as a, a storage of data records which gets stored in the form of blocks that's nothing but it's a chain of blocks mm-hmm. on the blockchain now imagine i am sending you 100 dollars so pratik sends ashish 100 dollars and ashish actually uses those 100 dollars to fund five different social enterprises so you put 20 dollars each into five enterprises now if all of this data comes on the blockchain mm-hmm. it basically means you can track through because the blocks cannot be changed once they're put in the ecosystem right. you can change the blocks it basically means imagine any third party any person because it's a public chain you can see how those 100 dollars went to ashish and where the money was actually spent and did it actually reach the recipient so imagine the financial inclusion it can create because you you can make the unbanked um, you can make the unbanked banked through through this and you can basically track so there is more accountability more security more trust now let me give you another example mm-hmm. imagine somebody commits a crime okay and you lodge an fir mm-hmm. now when you lodge an fir if after 5 years somebody is very influential they might tamper with the records and get away with it okay mm-hmm. now if the record you know resides on the blockchain you can't tamper with the record so it stays there and basically it's it's on the block which can't be changed which basically means you can stay you can basically track all the data from the source to the destination so that's how the technology would make the whole world more accountable more transparent there's more Uh, trust involved it's more secure and a bunch of other stuff so that's what the technology is all about right that's why the technology is beautiful now imagine what we've done where you integrate a sustainability score to it you basically mm-hmm. are seeing that the technology's governance mechanism which is a consensus is basically rewarding on you only for sustainable practices so basically in a way what you're doing you're basically bringing the entire people on the blockchain imagine the whole billion people of india on the blockchain imagine the aadhar on the blockchain okay now we've already working with the government by the way so we have the we have three four police systems already on a blockchain so through that you can track firs and it's 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 obviously way better for governments and way better for citizens because of course government saves on cost and it's more transparent secure blah 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 and then even the even the citizens can actually see everything now with the sustainability score built in you can basically uh, make the whole world more sustainable so i'll tell you something another another thing so most of the layer ones what they use is they use what we call a proof of work or a proof of stake now i'll tell you what these are so when the blockchain is built any layer one it uses a consensus as i said and most of the layer ones that you see currently uh, use either proof of work or proof of stake now what does proof of work mean or what does proof of stake mean 
So proof of work basically means anybody who works more gets rewarded, which basically means if you are basically having more computers and you basically, so basically it's encouraging more, um, you know, basically it's taking you away from renewables. It's basically incurring more electricity, which is basically harmful for the environment. So it's not sustainable right it's it's still a beautiful technology but it's not sustainable now when you go to proof of stake imagine ashish and pratik are two validators on the nodes now if you um uh, you know buy more stakes in the system which for for which you need money you get rewarded which basically means you're making the rich richer and poor poorer so again it doesn't solve the problem of financial inclusion what we have done at fire is we have something called proof of benefit which basically means what i told you the score that is come up that comes up if any business built on the blockchain scrapes data from 650 ESG sources, which are environmental social governance goals, and 17 SDGs, which are like health tech, climate tech, renewable, solar, wind, gender equality, and then the score is given out. So basically, it means that if you are following more sustainable practices than me, then you end up getting rewarded. That's how we are transitioning the whole world from for-profit to for-benefit using blockchain. Okay. And uh, how does the reward mechanism sort of work? Uh, what is the... Uh reward at the end of the day after completion of proof of work or uh, the proof of benefit for the organization yes so the okay so basically when i say reward right it it is basically you are making more money only if you are following a sustainable practice so of course the reward is happens in the form of say fire tokens that we have which basically okay. are getting rewarded you only if you're following sustainable. like i said if you mm-hmm. have 50 percent women in the workforce and i have 25 percent Okay. Mm-hmm. You will end up earning more fire tokens, okay, which basically is the in the end rewarding you more financially. So it's financial reward against a sustainable practice. Got it. Got it. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, makes sense. And uh, so ultimately, the goal of fire is to enable um, organizations, be it PSUs, private, or other uh, different sets of organization, to enable their operations transform or shift to a blockchain level application is that is your goal like what is your primary goal at fire to transition them help them uh, uh, into a blockchain application or something else okay so the primary goal is to basically use the technology of blockchain to make the world a better place that like and and that's that's the final goal and through that impact 1 billion plus people positively now how do we do that we are basically working with currently five stakeholders first is governments so we currently are working on smart so the so we have already you know we have three four mous around smart policing and predictive policing which is going to reside on our blockchain okay okay so that's and then we are signing mous on land registration so entire when you go and register a house or anything those kind of records will stay on our blockchain so now and all of that being sustainable so we are and then reducing cost and then doing a bunch of other um, stuff so that so one is of and then we have the entire agriculture of nigeria coming on our blockchain then we also have uh, you know city of alliance state of nebraska in the united states of america coming on our blockchain so we are working with a lot of governments so on one side we are like first stakeholder for us is government so getting the governments to adopt blockchain and being and us being the world's first sustainable blockchain to so adopt mm-hmm. a sustainable blockchain to empower citizens to be more um more um, financially inclusive and basically also help solve social problems like 
access of electricity, like access of clean water, access of sanitation, access of gender equality, access of bunch of stuff. So that's on just on the government side. Now, second stakeholder which we are working with is Fortune 500 companies to get all their supply chain on our blockchain. Now we are working with Huawei, Booking.com, and a bunch of other government, a bunch of other Fortune 500s. Third is university. So we have basically partnered with AICTE already, which is the Higher Technology Council body in India. Now all the eight to ten million records, um, you know, reside on our blockchain. So all the degrees, all the academic credentials, are on our blockchain, and through that we are, we are basically also getting, you know, uh, more universities. We are like, I'm, I'm going to Pune um, day after to actually sign an MOU with the Pune University to get the entire 650,000 records on our blockchain. So, of course, there are, as I said, there are a bunch of benefits of the blockchain as a technology and as being sustainable, it's an added benefit. So, that's that's on the university side. Then the fourth target audience for us is fam- uh, family offices and we are only focusing on impact family offices so that we can mobilize capital from wealthy family offices through blockchain technology towards social impact, which basically empowers the citizens of the world. So that's the fourth stakeholder. Fifth for us is celebrities. So we are currently, you know, in the process of working with a lot of celebrities on a donor advice fund model where we mobilize again capital, uh, financial capital towards again, social enterprises. And through that go to the citizens where you end up hitting your KPIs or financial metrics because we financially reward those practices against social good. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Yes, so yes, where did I can you lose you. me? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So basically, you know, we are also working with celebrities on mobilizing capital to through a donor advice fund mm-hmm. towards social enterprises, which also again empowers citizens. So those are our five stakeholders. And through these five stakeholders, we will reach a billion people and we will impact their lives positively. So that's the final goal for FIRE. That seems like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so let me uh, let me ask you something different. Um, so, uh, uh, like with any other technology, right? Um, uh, and you understand this more than uh, me or anyone else. So, uh, for any technology, right? Um, there are pros and cons. So, what are the limitation or cons? Uh, for uh, we heard the positive side of the story right in terms of there are many benefits which can be derived out of it but what are the limitations or challenges uh, in this current landscape okay so i think one i'll point out two big ones so one is of course that i said the most of the blockchain that is currently being used is not sustainable so although the the technology is amazing. It's moving the world towards decentralization, enabling financial inclusion and doing a bunch of cool stuff. But because of it being not sustainable, because of more computational uh, power that is being required, which of course requires electricity. So like when you use a consensus of say proof of work, you need more computational power, which basically mm-hmm. means you need more electricity, which is harmful for the environment. So that's one. The one is environmental damage. Mm-hmm. Now, second big one is 
uh, you know, again, and building deeper into sustainability there. And if you use uh, proof of stake, right, which is the other consensus of blockchain, then if you use that, then you basically are making the rich richer because you are, and in the end, it again goes back to the traditional finance systems or banking systems. The, the rich get the richer, poor get poorer, and you're not solving in the entire problem of basically eliminating poverty again, which is one of the goals of the United Nations. So you'd be basically, again, using technology for you're not using technology for the betterment of humanity you're basically using technology uh for for for, for all. and there are a lot of unintended consequences of blockchain which are being happening so if you want to solve that you want to a solve the problem of sustainability and make it sustainable now that's what we are trying to do so that's the big problem that we're addressing of the blockchain now the second big one is people often confuse uh you know between between blockchain and cryptocurrency now blockchain basically it, 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 so basically, it's the underlying technology for virtual assets, right? And digital assets. If you, I think, if you guys saw the budget, the the, the virtual assets basically cryptocurrency is a small piece of the entire virtual assets because it has also it also has NFTs and a bunch of other other digital assets into it. Any digital asset you hold. So I think one big thing is, of course, because the technology is decentralized. One thing is working beautifully at the intersection of decentralization, but at the same time working with the government. So now imagine you are being currently use, using a third party, which is so RBI is like, so treat them. If I send you money today, like RBI uh, can regulate it, right? And if you send it on blockchain, right? If I send money to you on blockchain, then basically the one big problem is, you know, there if you see there are a lot of thefts that can happen and thefts because there is no central authority which is governing it. So if I send you say $1,000 and, you know, I send it to a wrong hexadecimal address, I don't use your address, I just misplace one of the, uh, you know, characters, it gets sent to the wrong, wrong address. And if in that case, I lose the money and you don't get the money. So I think thefts is a big way and then again, it can basically through this, it can, of course, spark terrorism, right? Because you can fund illegal activities through it. So I think those are some of the challenges, which are big challenges, of course, because any technology, when it comes into being right, it brings its own set of challenges. I think our goal now is to embrace the technology and solve all the challenges and then make it, you know, more beautiful because it's already beautiful. But then there already has a lot of challenge. Like I said, you know, sustainability is one challenge. Trust is, again, you can, you know, losing money, thefts is another challenge, risk of terrorism, another challenge, a lot of challenges, right? So now it's the, the goal is for us to basically, and specifically, if you're a techie, it's a goal for us to basically is to use the technology for the betterment of humanity. And that's why we've built this company. So that's what we're trying to address. Mm -hmm. And uh, Pratik, from your perspective, do you believe there's, there's been a lot of talk, I mean, I mean, if you open Twitter or anywhere else, so Web3, right? So do you believe um, the big gatekeepers like Facebook or the other Google or anyone else can be, you know, the they can be removed and a decentralized um, system can be put in place instead of them? Is it possible? What, what are of your course. thoughts? Of course, of course. And that's what we need, right? Why do you want to share data with a centralized authority? So when basically if you... What we want to do is what we've done is we're creating domains on Web3. So when the trans, so look, Web1 was all about internet. Web2 was all about centralized social media. Web3 is all about decentralization. We are literally curating the next internet, right? When I say curating, you if you basically build a domain, if Ashish builds a domain on fire, it will be Web3 slash Ashish. It wouldn't be HTTPS where 
all the data gets stored in a centralized server and they have access to your data. If you build anything on our, um, you know, any D app on us, or if you basically use our technology, anything, you control your data. I can't control your data, right? And of course, you, you need to protect and privacy is being one of them. And that's why we see people keep moving from one messaging app to the other people used to use whatsapp and some people now say you know we want to use telegram because uh, that's more um, uh, private and people don't have access to data then people say we want to use signal so you can already see and you can already see what's happening with facebook right now right mm -hmm. so with the users not i mean so, so many users plummeting so i personally think that the world is moving to decentralization the next world is web 3.0 the the next you know, 50 years, 30, 50 years are going to be very amazing because we're going to build a decentralized um, economy, which I think, and if we can address the challenges it brings to us, and I think if we can address all the challenges I spoke about, then it's it's going to be amazing. And of course, all the players that you see currently, the world has to move to decentralization. There is no, there is no other thought. I'm a big, big proponent of the Web3, Web3.0 and even DeFi or NFTs or Metaverse. Mm -hmm. And when can we see, uh, uh, or maybe it is happening, I'm not aware of uh, some implementations, you know, where people have already started utilizing uh, your technology? Oh, it's already started to happen. So we are running mm -hmm. pilots on smart policing. So our testnet is going live after a couple of weeks. Our mainnet is supposed to go live in uh, quarter two or quarter three this year. Mm -hmm. And we're already executing pilots with all the five stakeholders I initially spoke about. Okay. So we're already executing pilots with Muzaffar Nagar police. Uh, mm -hmm. We're getting all the data. Uh, we've created a duplicate chain um, to get all the records of Muzaffar Nagar police on our blockchain. We are working on a duplicate again, uh, duplicating data for uh, uh, you know, City of Alliance in the state of Nebraska, in the United States of America. Uh, we've already started working with Huawei. Uh, we are already, you know, partnering with AICT. We have rolled out something called a happiness blockchain, the world's biggest happiness blockchain, by the way, with AICT. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, a lot of pilots are already happening. And in, in, in 2022, you'll see us ex execute a lot of pilots, like maybe 50 plus pilots. And with our mainnet go live, when our mainnet goes live, then of course, you as a developer, any developer can actually build a D app on us. So in the end, the goal for us is to basically get all the world to adopt decentralization using our infrastructure that we've built so imagine the next the next google or the next ola or the next oyo or the next um uh, any any big company that you know of currently you know all of us using the technology and building on top of us as an app as a d app so the whole world moves towards a for benefit economy and the entire billion people of india benefit from it that's that final goal and our final goal is to get even get aadhar on our blockchain so if the aadhar comes on a blockchain then we we can basically make it decentralized make the unbanked banked we can make it financially inclusive we can be more sustainable we can solve uh, so many problems and reduce the cost be more efficient and do a bunch of cool stuff right so that's where the world is moving that's what we are kind of trying to uh, curate it in a way that it's it's more sustainable as well but at the same time it's it's uh, using the power of tech to for the betterment of humanity mm -hmm. very interesting and uh, uh, how do you sort of go about pricing such technology how does uh, 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 what is your commercial model? Okay, so of course we are going to, so uh, as, as I said, it's going to basically reduce the cost of any of the, so any government that adopts us, any uh, Fortune 500 that adopts us and get their supply chain or a blockchain or any 
um, university that adopts us. So there is a lot of cost of you know manpower and a lot of cost of uh, electricity. I mean, a lot of cost involved with any of the pieces. And when they use our technology, the cost goes down drastically. So uh, currently we are in pilot mode, so we're not charging anything. We 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 actually are basically executing pilots. Uh, we we already secured a twenty one million dollar seed round. Uh, so we are currently uh, using that money uh, to build technology and also to get adopted. Once the adoption happens, of course, we're going to go to a subscription model where it's going to be a BAS, which is a blockchain as a service model. And any any anything that gets built on us automatically ends up paying us a, a fee, uh, which you often call a gas fee or for transactions. And then, of course, a consulting fee if they want consulting. And if they want to build on us, then, of course, they pay a fee to us. So, so yeah, of course, it, it's going to be based on transactions uh, uh, going forward. But currently, we're not charging anything because we're encouraging adoption. Got it. And and you mentioned uh, uh, a seed round. Uh, in terms of seed round, 21 million sounds a lot. <laughs> so mm-hmm. how did you go about uh, raising uh, $21 million? If you can share us your journey, uh, how does someone go about raising $21 million? Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, for, uh, you know, I, uh, for me, it's, I always think that capital comes in three forms, uh, relationship capital, human capital, and financial capital. So I think financial capital is the easiest to get if you're building something good, if you're building something cool. I think it's just a myth between people that, in because I wear the hat of both an investor and an entrepreneur. So when I wear the hat of an investor, in fact, it's hard to find entrepreneurs who are building cool stuff. And if somebody's building cool stuff, I, I, like I would love to fund them. So the same happens in the you know the investor circuit that if you are building something cool i think it's very easy to get funded the more tough part is to actually get relationship capital and human capital which is very very important for you to basically scale your company so relationships are very very crucial so i think most of the investors that we have on board and we have really cool people on the advisory board and even on the um even on the investor uh, board. Uh, so we raised $21 million actually just in 20 days and uh, uh, it was very quick for us. And uh, we we, we uh, basically also secured that money from very strategic investors. So they came from family offices or, you know, uh, people who believe in the idea and, you know, have already built tech businesses um, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, people who actually can help us reach where we want to reach because our end goal is of course to impact billion plus people so people who can give us relationships and also on the human capital side that i mentioned uh, in the web 3.0 space you know because we use rust as a language and finding developer talent hasn't been easy so that's why we've also developed something called fire school now which is going to be the by juice of blockchain education in india we're partnering with universities to impart education to uh, kids in schools and colleges so that they can join us later so we have already started to do that um, uh, and and you know human capital has been tough so we basically uh, made sure that all the investors that we have are bringing to us three forms of capital of course they're bringing financial capital but they're also bringing to us relationships so that we can get adopted in those five stakeholders and impact a billion people and then also bring to us human capital because if they're well connected they also bring to us lot of talent pool right so uh, like we have the ex-director of uc berkeley uh, now he brings to us a lot of people uh, who are very techy and who are amazing you have an iq of 150 plus who can actually help us build the product right we need a lot of like we're already now a team of 80 plus people and we're just five and a half months five months old so we are scaling very rapidly and on the funding side in fact um, we're going to be releasing very soon later this month a series a round 
uh and uh, that also happened to us by actually accident we weren't wanting to raise it but people were like investors have been so crazy to invest because they know that technology is literally going to change the world for the better and that's what i'm saying so if you are an entrepreneur if you're building something good and if you have a good team i think you don't need to worry about money it's going to automatically follow what you have to worry about is relationship capital and human capital because you know if you get that financial capital is very easy to get these days i think Mm-hmm. I think that's a that's an excellent point, right? Uh, uh, if you're building something meaningful and it has an impact, uh, definitely capital somehow finds uh, the way uh, towards that particular venture. So, uh, 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 moving on, Pratik. So, what has been um, your sort of learning or experience over these nine companies uh, which you have mentioned you know if you want to if you look back right i mean you had a lot of um lot of learning from each of these ventures but if you want to share in terms of two or three two or three of your learnings uh, out of your entire experience of these nine ventures what will that be um well i think the first big learning is i think you you have to believe in yourself and you can't expect the world to believe in you until you believe in yourself so if the if you believe in yourself the world will automatically believe in you that's my first learning so and you know just to elaborate what that basically means is when you start a company right only you know as a founder and ceo that where the company will be in 3 months where the company will be in 6 months 1 year 3 years 5 years you can't expect the world or even your parents or even your spouse or relatives anybody to believe in it until you actually materialize it mm-hmm. so you will face a lot of skepticism initially when you're starting up which is completely fine and i think if you can't handle that if you don't have the re- resilience um you know you you're not fit to be an entrepreneur right because that's i think the biggest biggest trait of any good entrepreneur is to be resilient and you know um uh, take all the flack and still keep building because that's why i was mentioning again and again that you build something around your passion because if you're building something around your passion even if your parents tell you not to do it you'll still do it because you're just so passionate about it and it's not just the money which is keeping you going it's your passion so i think that's the biggest learning so build something around your passion and just believe in yourself and keep doing it second big learning is be proud of your failures so i'll tell you i built nine companies and i and i failed a lot and lot a lot of companies as well so um, and and i i can tell you that when you fail a company actually uh, it teaches you so much that it's so helpful in your next venture so if you are an entrepreneur try to be a serial entrepreneur if you fail something just start something again and build it around your passion so that you know it keeps you going and i can i can tell you that any entrepreneur if you ask any entrepreneur who's kind of successful they will tell you that i failed so many times before being successful and i think that's what gets you there so just don't be afraid of failures that's my second learning and i think the third learning is when you start a company just concentrate on the final goal and the vision and the mission just be true to it and um, you know the word impossible itself is i am possible right so just make sure that when you're starting up the goal should be chimerical and it should be wishful and should be like a dream right because if it's not a dream then it's achievable and until you see an impossible thing because ultimately the goal of entrepreneurship is to solve complex problems and make simple solutions and and solve them so if you want to solve a simple problem then you know 100 people can do it what what differentiates you so solve a problem which is very very uh, complex it's tough and then you make an easy solution for it so for that you need to dream very very big and i think there's nothing wrong in dreaming big that's why it's called dream and then i can tell you if you keep working uh, we are working towards it ultimately it will turn into a reality so i have had crazy dreams since i was a child and i think 
I'm just on the process of kind of executing those dreams, and it might take me my whole life. But then that's the beauty of life, right? You, you, and and then again, um, if you really are passionate about it, you will not be scared. You'll just keep building it. Um, yeah. So that's that's another one. And uh, okay, another by the way, on the fourth side, that's an mm-hmm. advice by the way. Mm-hmm. Like if you are in your twenties, I have one advice for people in their twenties: try to stay away from loans. Just try to stay away from loans because that's something which puts you into. <laughs> Puts you into a nine to five. I think just that. that. <laughs> yeah, that's an advice. I mean, until you're really forced to take a loan, just don't take any loan, whether it is real estate or whether it is um, car or whether it is um, even education loan. I am not a big fan of loans because that actually forces you to kill your dreams and work for somebody else, even if you don't want to. And that's why I think a lot of the people in their twenties are not able to. Follow their passion or follow their dreams. So, did you have this, this sort of experience, or you're speaking from someone someone else's uh, 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 experience from someone some someone uh, some other person's experience? Uh, I'm speaking from a lot of my experience of a lot of the friends around me. I think they had better IQ than I had. <laughs> Let me be honest. I have a lot of friends who have way better IQ, but they probably weren't able to start up. Mm-hmm. um you know just because they had loans and they had to pay emis and for that they were never able to start a company and they had no choice but to work in a fortune 500 uh, i mean i'm not against working for fortune 500 but it should be your passion if it's your passion to say work in an fmcg company do it but it should be a passion you shouldn't do it because your parents or your you know spouse or friends or relatives are telling you to do it that's all that's all i'm trying to say but education loan my friends some of them have taken and i've seen that they have not not able to execute their dreams and they probably mm-hmm. could have done it if they didn't have that so just try to stay away that would be my one advice and and from the other uh, perspective uh, i forgot to ask earlier in terms of uh, uh fundraising right so uh, we have heard good stories uh on the podcast also uh bad stories also the bad fundraising experience so wanted to understand from you pratik you know what are those things uh as a founder one should be aware of while raising capital because um uh at the end of the day uh, there could be certain clauses uh, which can hamper the growth of the company uh, down the line uh, maybe next couple of years because something was agreed and uh, the follow on investor or other people who are joining the board uh, might not agree to it might hamper the future funding so from your experience of raising 21 million uh can you share your um, experience or such things which you are aware of uh, yes so i think as i said first never go to market to fundraise before you have an mvp i am not a big believer of just raising on the idea like because the idea like you could have 100 ideas but until you can execute it or at least run a pilot or at least build some technology or do something right build an mvp first because also if you just go and raise on the idea you'll end up diluting a lot of your company which basically strangles you when you're doing the follow up round so like when i did my seed right i mean you be, i basically already had a working mvp so we were already uh, we'd already started building and we'd already were at a stage where we were about to launch so you end up doing your first round or your seed after you have an mvp that's would be my one suggestion and second it's very important the choice of the see the selection or the choice of investors you have in your seed round basically is very important very very important because they should be people 
who should be, be who should be with you because they believe in you as a founding team and also they should believe in the product you are building and they should have relationships to scale your business and take you to the next level if they don't have it if they're just giving you money then don't take it because it's it's not worth it i'm telling you um because you end up, you might end up diluting a lot of your company and you might not even have enough left to do a next round so it's very very strategic the way you want to do your first round uh, and i think once you do the first round then even the second round that you do probably is very important but, but i mean so the first round i think is very important because you're bringing a lot of angels so bring angels who can help you in the business right who can basically help you scale and mentor you as well and anything in specific to term sheet signing in terms of agreeing to certain clauses or avoiding them etc yeah so i'll so basically you know um it depends actually you know what what we did was a good thing is we we basically had um, uh, you know don't save on cost on lawyers <laughs> if you are even if you have to pay a lawyer fee then just pay it because it's very important ultimately it can backfire you so make sure every legality is in place number one so all the agreements and all the clauses read the term sheet 100 times and you know the other thing is make sure when you're executing you're in touch with other founders who've done the rounds so that you basically show your term sheet to them also so that they can also see if the valuation is uh, justified if the clauses are justified and also the third thing is i've not been a big proponent of uh, uh, you know multiple so uh, i mean look when you raise money right in in some cases we were we were able to raise money in a way that we got the money initially meaning like it wasn't uh, in a phased manner a lot of times when you raise your first round you, people strangle you for money and they just you know take away equity and then you know venture capitalists sometimes can be like vulture capitalists like they just see their own gains <laughs> and they can basically take away they can just take up your equity and then tell you that you will give you in five tranches or six tranches see you should as a founder know how much money you need to really go to the next round so you should know your mrr right you should know your burn rate so if you know your burn rate make sure that if you are planning your next round say six months after the first round you basically make sure that the first round you're doing you have enough money for a year right because you would want to um, hire the best people you would want to hire agencies do a bunch of stuff right and travel and what not so make sure that you have enough funds to basically build the product build a team and if it's not the case then don't take money so if somebody is telling you you know you do you know in first 3 months do blah 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 and after that <laughs> we'll give you the rest money and we'll give the equity first just don't do it because they are in it just as vultures and they want to <laughs> So money, like you have mm-hmm. to be very, very strategic. That I'm saying, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. on how do you raise money? Like when we raised it, we basically made sure that we get all the money because we needed a lot of money to build the product. I mean, hi, look, I mean, if if you pay one lakh to a C plus plus developer, if you hire a Rust developer that I do, you have to pay five lakhs, right? So it's 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 an exp- we are solving a very expensive problem, and we need a lot of money to solve it, right? So. i can't sustain if i have if i don't have money to actually hire the best people or you know so and you if you're building something like and i am and you know one slogan which i've already used uh, all the time when you're building any company um, you know um, uh, uh, it it's like go big or don't do it so either you go deep and big or you just don't do it so if you're doing if you have a dream and you are having solving a very expensive problem then make sure you have enough money in the bank to actually sustain because 
um uh, ultimately it can you you should not be strangled for funds basically i think that's the goal so and if you already have built an mvp you, so as a founder i think you should already know how much money you need for one year how much money you need for three years how much money you need for five years and you need to be very transparent with your investors especially seed round that this is the money i need and this is what i'll be able to do in six months and then i'll do my next round and this is the deliverables you should set your own deliverable they should not be doing setting deliverables for you because i can tell you like as a founder right you know where the company is going after three months you know where the company will be after six months you know where it will be in one year three years five years nobody can tell you where the company will be in they can just be helpful they can aid you in that journey but you are basically on the steering wheel you driving the car right they're just basically helping accelerate the car right if you're going at 50 they can probably help you go at 100 but 0 to 50 is your thing so you know you know where you will be in 3 6 months so be very transparent and make sure you have enough money that's because a lot of people have seen they raise money and then they run out of funds and the company has to close down hmm. that shouldn't happen so yeah thank you so much prateek for your time it was a pleasure talking to you thanks ashish if by the way if any of the audience wants to reach out learn more or seek help in the startups that building specifically in the web3 um, space then please feel free to reach out to me on any of the social media i'm very active on linkedin instagram facebook um yeah and and we'll we'll connect wonderful